You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a second-degree black belt who, who runs Brazilian top team playing style in playing style, New Hampshire. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Spiro. Hey, Lamar. How are you today? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Happy holidays. Hope you had a good day off yesterday. I don't know if to celebrate Christmas, but uh, I take advantage of every holiday. Oh, no, I enjoyed the day off, man. Enjoyed the day off. So kids are happy. I'm happy. My holiday was good, man. So, yeah, that's true. All right, man. Let's, uh, you know, without further ado, man, let's get the ball rolling. If you want to introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Yeah. Man. Um, thank you for having me. First off, uh, my name is Dave Spiro. <clears throat> I am second degree black belt at Brazilian top team. Uh, under Professor Daniel Pizzoni and Joel Amaral. Um, I've been doing jiu-jitsu now since I was 27. So uh, 18 years. Um, yeah, I was with Brazilian top team from blue belt on. And it's, well, technically, not technically. We can get into that later. Um, I've had, uh, I've trained under a couple of different schools prior to finding my home at Brazilian top team. I actually own a gym. I own Brazilian top team Plasto. So I started a gym uh at purple belt level and brought in some black belts to teach classes there and made my way up through the ranks um but we're celebrating our 13th year at uh wow. at school so good times good stuff that's awesome congratulations thank you so you so open a school at purple belt like how, how was how was that like how, well how did you for for one like how did how did you get into jiu-jitsu ah uh so I just got my second degree on my black belt about two weeks ago, and I made. A look, they always make you do a speech in front of the up and coming belt, the white belts, blue belts. We had over you know, 150 people there that were testing, and um, mm-hmm. so they really put you on the spot. So I, what I'm going to tell you, I pretty much said in, in my speech. <clears throat> um, at 27 years old, I was coming off. I was fresh off a divorce. Uh, I had you know an empty house, nothing to look forward to at home, and. Uh, had followed the UFC back when I was 15 and 16. You know, you saw those bare knuckle brawls in the cage. And I said, oh, that looks like fun. And then I saw that one fight where the guy got his teeth knocked out. Again, and I said, oh, I don't want to do that That's not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but I was impressed by um, that. I said, who's that little skinny guy in the karate uniform? You know, and it was, of course, Voice Gracie. Now, you know, looking then, I was impressed because I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I was not the most athletically gifted guy in the world. And I said, if this little guy can, you know, go in there and with these monsters and, you know, choke them out. And I said, this looks interesting. Put it off to the side, you know, at 16, fast forward to, you know, 27, you know, and I had nothing to do. I was walking by a big sign in the middle of a town called Derry. It said uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And so I just put two and two together. I said, Gracie UFC, Gracie, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Let's stop in. So I, uh, I walked inside, talked a little bit with the owner. And my jiu-jitsu journey started there. Um, and, you know, when I was doing jiu-jitsu, I ended up meeting a girl. There's always a girl, right? Um, started bringing her to the classes because I wanted to share with her my excitement for jiu-jitsu. 
she ended up starting a relationship with another person at the gym behind my back, which sucks, oh. right? Never good. Um, that person was a professional fighter. I was not a fighter at all. I, you know, a couple street fights, but nothing, you know, whatever. Um, so we don't have to get into the, you know, details of it, but I, long story short, I was forced to leave the school. The owner and the professors didn't want to do anything to, you know, solve this problem. Said, hey, he's one of our fighters. Find a new school. Um, that got me upset. Um, and I said, all right, I'm going to learn how to fight. And I'm going to smash this guy. That's the only reason I got into jiu-jitsu. I got in for the wrong reasons. Um, uh-huh. That's a know, first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe people got in for that. I don't know, but I, I'm the first to hear of it, at least from my angle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I found another school down the road, another Gracie jiu-jitsu school, but it was a different Gracie. And I'm like, I'm confused, right? And then mm-hmm. like the family's big. Uh, it said, I want to fight. I want to be an MMA fighter. And the guy said, he was uh, at the time a purple belt under uh, Cesar Gracie, who I don't know if you're familiar with. He teaches the, the Diaz brothers. He's out in California. Um, but so he's like, I, you know, I have access to Nick and Nate Diaz and, you know, Jake Shields and all these people. And I said, okay, cool. Like, teach me how to fight. So he's like, well, you got to learn jujitsu first. So started on that journey there. I met um, one of my my best training partners. He's in the UFC right now. His name's Calvin Cater. Um, lifelong friends. From then on, still good friends to this day. Um, he was the guy that strapped the belt around my waist at his his fight promotion, which was such an honor to have one of my best buddies do that. Um, but before we get into that, back up. So I'm training with Calvin. I see this guy fighting. He's doing well. I said, I want to do this um got my blue belt at this school under um a gentleman by the name of roger Wu. uh roger at the time started at the first school i started at and left for his own um got my blue belt through him got my and then he was like i don't know man i've been doing jiu-jitsu now he was a he was a brown belt for 12 or 13 years like a long time and he's like, you know, I just I can't get my black belt. I keep jumping school to school. And he's having fallen outs or whatever with this. You know, I don't. It's not my place to to judge. It was personal reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And I, he goes, maybe I should hang it up. And I'm like, don't do that. You can't do that. Like you're my professor. Then you know, where am I going to get my black belt from? Um, and I started looking around for other schools in the area that weren't Gracie affiliated. Mm-hmm. And we found Brazilian Top Team in Boston, which is about 40 minutes from from my location. And I said, go check out, you know, Brazilian top team. You know, they seem like a pretty cool school. They seem pretty uh, well-rounded. Marilla Bustamante is the, the founder. You know, at the time I was following Pride Fighting. And, you know, Marilla was, you know, one of the top heavyweights um, or light heavyweights. So um, he started going there. He became, a, a you know, he, they accepted him to BTT, which, you know, ended up making me part of BTT, you know, by, by association. Right. Um, got my purple belt through Roger. Uh, he had his own little thing up in New Hampshire and Londonderry. Uh, it wasn't official BTT school yet. And I said, you know what? All the stuff I didn't like about the previous schools I went through, I'm never going to do that. I want to own my own school. I'm never going to do that. Um, I'm going to do the best of what I like in these schools, and I'm going to add my own flavor to it. So I talked to Roger. I said, hey, you know, I want to open my own school. want your blessing. I said, I want you to come in and teach. I think at the time he got his black belt for btt and he's okay. like he's like yeah he's like i'll definitely do that you know so i 
ended up getting a loan. I did, you know, the, the research in the neighborhood and the, the you know, demographics and average income and traffic patterns. I did all this, this research, found a great spot, um, still there to this day and got a loan and ended up, you know, just going all in like, Hey, let's do it. I'm, I'm, a, gym, I'm a gym owner, you know? And you get these really weird, you know, ideas of, oh, it's going to be glorious and people are going to come to your school and fight. And it's going to be magnificent. People are going to bow down and you really get the greatest. And it's not like that at all. Jim <laughs> it's one of the hardest things, man. And I, I have some friends that have started it and they're they're out now. They're out of business. So I, I find know some people have started gyms, too that I'm not friends with. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit back and eat the popcorn like Michael Jackson in that gift, you know, watching, you know, <laughs> you know, you know they're out of business or they're not doing well. And I'm like, you know, everybody, you might be a black belt in jujitsu or, a, you know, MMA fighter it doesn't make you a black belt in business. And that, that's yeah, that. exactly. You know, exactly. So, um, yeah. So my jujitsu journey from Roger was purple. I said, you know what? I have a gym now. Um, you know, let's take advantage of the fact that I put all this money into a gym. Let's make it a BTT gym. So I mm -hmm. talked to Roger's professor, who's now my professor, Professor Daniel. I said, Professor Daniel, I want to make an affiliate school with with uh, with BTT Boston. And you know, he set it up. He talked to his, his the other people within the, the business. We signed a contract. Um, you know, you know, pros and cons. You get this. You don't get this. It's you know the pluses and minuses of benefits of being an affiliate. And I've been an affiliate with them. For, for 12 of the 13 years. Um, and I've been training down at BTT Boston, you know, and, and I said, I want to get my my black belt through you guys. It's, you know, from a business perspective, it makes more sense to go, you know, as close to the source as I can, right? So, right. you know, Marillo and Mario Bustamante and Mario Sperry founded BTT. Um, you know, Professor Joel, who's Daniel's professor, I believe he got his through, through Marillo. Um, and, you know, Marillo went all up to, uh, as a, uh, I think it's Roger Gracie. Is it Roger? I don't remember. Carlson, Carlson Gracie. Uh, Carlson Gracie. So um, the closer I can get, the better. So I had a bit of a falling out with Roger uh, on that. You know, I I didn't have him teach at the school anymore. I was bringing in other other black belts from BTT. Uh, one of them, Hanan Borges, world champion, IBJJF champion. He was a BTT guy at the time. I brought him in. And so from then on, I just went full bore. Now, Opening a gym at a purple belt level, I got a lot of a lot of haters, a lot of people online, you know, talking crap. Purple belt shouldn't open gyms. You don't need black belts. The old school people, the new school people, like, mm -hmm. you know, what has he done? And you know, by always surrounding myself with these these high level black belts, it's you know, it's hard to you know dispel the legitimacy of of the gym. Um, mm -hmm. We had many many champions come out of there. We've got a couple of guys um, that started in my gym that are either at the UFC. Or close to UFC level, um, we've got five, six. We've got six amateur title belts, local title belts. So I mean, from an MMA perspective, we're we're well. From a jiu-jitsu perspective, we're amazing, right? So just, mm -hmm. it, just it continues to grow. Um, and that's you know, at, once I got in with with Professor Daniel and in BTP Boston, my belt level from purple to black was all you know straight from Daniel. So. It's been a long journey, and the last thing I said in my my speech was, um, "It's a wonderful journey." I left it at that. You know what I mean? It was, and it yeah. Drop and walked off. So, yeah. <laughs> so Mike drop walked off stage. <laughs> yeah, There's nothing else to say at that point. Right? right. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome, man. Um, especially open up a school at at Purple Belt, 
And it's, I don't know what it is about the, some like the, I guess you want to say toxic side of like jujitsu when it comes to the community is like people, they gatekeep for no reason. Like if you, if you are able to open a school at blue belt or purple belt, that's not, there shouldn't be no rule saying that you can't. Are you, you know, I, I feel like if you, if you earned, at least you, if you earned your purple belt, you have some type of qualifications to teach jujitsu at that point. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that um, to a point. And because I've been mm-hmm. doing it so long now, I've seen so many blue and purple belts walk in and out of the gym. Mm-hmm. Mostly blue. They get the blue belt blues and bounce. But um, I, I'll say looking back, like if you look at where I was at purple belt and you look at where I am at black belt, my level of detail is a thousand times better, right? So oh yeah, of course. Details. Purple belt, I think, with the right guidance, if you're a purple belt and you're going solo and you have no path to your black belt, and you're like, hey, I'm just gonna open up a gym and I'll watch YouTube videos and get better from there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna balk on that one. But I mean, if you've got right. good guidance and you've got a good professor or a good lineage behind you that's constantly pushing you to get better, um, and you're evolving yourself, yeah, I, I would say. Or if you're bringing in, if you let me back up. If you if you're a blue belt in jujitsu and you open a school and you bring in high level people to teach at that school, purple, brown, black, whatever, right? People that know what they're doing. I don't necessarily agree that a blue belt would give you the best teaching alone. He needs a good mm-hmm. support system around him, right? Or, right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm dancing on that line. I can't give you a definite yes or no answer, but I mean. It worked for me. Will it work for everybody? I, I I can't say. Right, right. No, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it 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 takes that village to be able to, you know, run something like that. Especially, like I said, especially a purple belt, because, you know, me, I got my uh, black belt earlier. Well, no, I'm say earlier this year, last month. Um, was it last month? Yeah, last month. It's everything's just going by so fast, <laughs> and it's like. Um, you know, only been I've been training for six and a half years, so you know people look at that like, how you know you got your belt, you know your black belt way too early. I was like, what's what's considered way too early? Like, yeah, granted, there's people that's you know brown belts or purple belts, like you said, for like 10, 15 years, but I'm like that ain't got nothing to do with me. There's no you know rule saying that you know it, it it you have to be training for ten plus years to get your next belt or so on and so forth. It's just how much you put in, how much work you put in. And if your, uh, you know, instructor sees that, obviously they're going to rank you, you know? So it, yeah. it was just, it was just so weird with that, man. At first off, congratulations on your black belt. You're, you're already Thank in you. the upper echelon of people that, that don't ever get to their black belt, right? You're in the one, you know, 0.03% or whatever it is. Right. Um, second, I'll say whether you graduate early, late or whatever, I, I, I compare it to college. Some people mm-hmm. finish college early because they put in more work, they do more credits, they do more hours, they're, you know, they're qualified, they're doing their thing. I look at it in in, in that sense, right? And then some people stay back a grade, maybe they gotta get their, they gotta do summer school, it takes a little longer to get to their 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 degree. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I I don't ever question timeline. I think IBJJF has a good timeline as far as you know, they want to make something structured because all these schools are all over the place. But then, like, I look at BJ Penn. I mean, he's going into these IBJJF tournaments at uh, one belt below and smashing the people above him, you know, to get to the right. 
You know, so you right. go on a pur- blue belt and smash all the purple belts. I mean, how do you deny him at that point? Right. Right. But also for me, and I say this to my students, like it's not just, you know, competition. Competition plays a, a, a big part in, in belt promotion. And most of my students don't compete. Um, and I don't make it, you know, okay, you guys aren't going to get your blue belt or your purple belt, whatever, if you don't compete. But it gives you a good litmus test because what happens is when you're training with the same people day in and day out, they know your tricks. Oh, you know, Joe Schmo likes the triangle. I'm just going to block that the whole match. But when mm-hmm. you go into a tournament, these people don't know you. You know, they don't know your style unless you're all over the Internet. So if you're having success with people that don't understand your, your style, your system, your, your moves, that's a good litmus test for me to be like, okay, he went in. And, I have one kid, his name's Jack, phenomenal jiu-jitsu guy, triangle guy for sure. Um, first tournament went in, 11 people in the tournament, beat every one of them with a triangle choke. Every one of them. He's a zero-tip blue belt against four-tip tattered blue belts, right? So for me, I'm like, okay, he's really good at the triangle choke. People knew it was coming watching the match, couldn't stop the triangle choke. And he's beating guys that are tattered blue belts with this triangle choke. And then he went mm-hmm. to Nogi and did the same thing with the same group of people. So how do you rank that? Like, do you go, okay, do we put him at purple belt? Or do we go, okay, he's a one-trick pony. He needs more time. Let's give him, like, two stripes, right? And then see how his his game progresses. You know, as a coach, I'd be like, hey, listen, you know, you have a great triangle. But one of these days, you're going to find somebody that's going to stop that. Right. And you're rely on other stuff, right? Right. So jiu-jitsu is so weird as far as belting, time, you know, a lot of it's attitude, um, team teamwork, you know, um, respect, time time on the mat, right? Time I have, you know, we have our, our system. You know, we log in and it, it it captures the hour you spent or the hour and a half you spent on the mat. So from an analytics perspective, it's easy for me to pull that, you know, when, when it's belt test time and do do tests that way. But even myself, like I don't I don't do belt testing the way old school BTT would do their belt testing, where they'd have a a ceremony in June and a ceremony in December. So every six months, mm-hmm. I change my system because my software that's in place for my school allows me, it alerts me, hey, you know, so-and-so's, you know, just passed the threshold for attendance for their belt, uh, for the tip or whatever. And I can, that would pop into my mind now and say, okay, now let's start looking at him or her and see, you know, okay, they got the attendance. Do they have the attitude? Are they competing? What else are they doing? So I, I promote people all year, whether it's, yeah. you know, three months in, two weeks in, whatever, you know, based on based on that analytics, because the analytics don't lie. And so that does two things. Number one, for the Americans out there that don't like to wait for anything, it keeps them guessing, okay, when's my next one? When's my next one? Like, not, oh, I got to wait till June. Oh, I got to wait till December. No, it's not like that. And number right. two, it gets them excited because they can see when they log in, you know, amount of hours, hours remaining to next next belt. So it keeps them excited as well. Okay. And what and what what program is that? Gym desk. Gym desk? Okay, I'm yeah. gonna have to look into that. Very cool. Small right program, there. not a lot of money. Um, from a business perspective, the the um, the rates on uh, transactional rates are low compared to some of the other companies that I've used and I've switched four or five times within the 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like easy to navigate, easy to learn, um, I was on Kicksite forever. I loved them, but they changed their system and uh, made it impossible to pull. Like I'm big on analytics and reporting. My primary job is, is, uh, is technology. 
So mm-hmm. for me, if, if I can see the numbers, the numbers don't lie. If I can see the details, the details don't lie. So pull the spreadsheet together. Gym desk is a lot easier to, to handle. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're that we're the same way, man. Um, when it comes to uh, I guess you want to say promoting and ranking and stuff like that. Because I do know I I've heard a lot of schools they'll do like a bulking, like you know, every six months or so on and so forth. Um, but us, like, yeah, if you're if you're showing up to class, you know, on time, obviously tuition paid, you're you know, you're busting your hump, you know, we're gonna reward you for that. But yeah, but you do get those people that like, you know, am I am I getting striped this month or am I getting my belt this month, blah blah blah. blah. And it's like, uh, we don't know. <laughs> you know, like, right. like, do you like, well, what makes you feel like you should be ready? You know, oh, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I can roll with anybody and tap anybody. Ooh, okay. But, you know, what are you showing to show that you're ready for your next rank? You know, like you said, how was, how was your, you know, your team ethic? How are you on the mats? How are you um, handling yourself when, if the like if the instructor given something like how are you reacting to that you know what I'm saying are you just uh, over there doing your own thing are you rolling it when you're supposed to be drilling like you know all that stuff kind of plays into a factor you know but yeah yeah we I, done I, it's crazy jujitsu is such a a weird sport I love it but you know it's it's man it's changed my lifestyle so much I've been so involved right in early age you know I I I just I. I look at these kids now, like my son started at four and he's just turned 11 a couple of days ago, you know, and I look at, I'm like, you have such an advantage. You have no yeah. idea, you know, such a, you're so flexible. Like you're, you're teaching your body, these movements that I started at 27, you know, mm-hmm. that you started at four, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the new generation is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I look at my daughter that same way. She, um, you know, she started training earlier this year and she just took to it, man, like a duck out of water, just boom, and to the point where she was helping me run kids' class. That's cool. Like, I'm like, hey, let's get it rocking. She'll get them warmed up, and you know, we we run our drills, and you know, she'll get them ready for class. And it's just like, dang, man, if I was able to start when you started, I'd be. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, like, I would be out here wrecking. But you know, it's. It's fun watching her grow into us, you know, grow into the sport early that I've, you know, I fell in love with. And I'm excited to see where she goes with that because we don't have, you know, we had opened up another uh, two different locations. Um, unfortunately, our, our home gym had to close down. And the first thing she asked is like, are we still doing jujitsu, daddy? I'm like, right. yeah, we still doing jujitsu. And she's right. like, oh, OK, because. We ain't been to uh, H2O in, in a while, so I just wanted to make sure. I was like, no, nah, we, we get it together. We don't have no kids' clashes yet, but, you know, she's still out there. You know, she's still trying to do what she can, so it's it's fun, that's man. Awesome. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, you know, and kudos to you for continuing. A lot of people get so, um, so shut down because, you know, things don't go their way, and, you know, it's that – it's the whole David Goggins mentality, right? Suck it up. Yeah. You know, or suck or it even up. Jocko, right? I always show this Jocko video to my students when they, they bitch and complain, you know, the good video. You ever see that video? I just, might have. Just, just type in Jocko and then good on, on YouTube. And he was, the okay. premise of it is, you know, when things go wrong, when things are gone growing your way, when things are bad, this, you're always going to find some good within it, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, got tapped out. Good. You know, you learned, you know, you know, got an injury. Good. You have more time to focus on the mental aspect, you know, 
didn't you yeah. know he's saying how he was in the seal so you know didn't get you know the high speed gear you wanted good we have more time to get better at the things that we needed the high speed gear for right so when my my students get bombed or you know they when I'm not at the belt they want to be at I, I was reminded of that video you know and that whole you know there's always going to be some good out of everything so for you find that yeah. good you know what I mean yeah I mean it's a it's a great mentality to have because you know I love that my instructor kind of distilled that into me and uh, my other uh, my my training partner who got his, we we both got our black belts uh, last month but wow. you know he wasn't afraid to you know, show us, I guess you want to say like the dark side of jujitsu when it comes to like businesses and stuff like that. Cause it's, it's going to happen. You know, you want to get those moments where like, yeah, your school is going to be bustling. You know, you got new bodies on the mat every, you know, seem like every day, two or three people walk in and then you blink and it's like your four regulars are there. Right. Right. You know, or yeah. So it's like, you know, don't get discouraged because, you know, you don't have a lot of bodies on the mat, you know, gyms take time and, you know, a lot of patience to grow. You know, unfortunately, it's not like, you know, like you said, like you open that door, you got like a hundred people eager and, you know, foaming at the mouth <laughs> trying to get into your gym, which would be nice, but you don't, but you don't. So, you know, you have to build slowly. So it's, it's yeah. been one of those, like, you know, one of those, like, I, I open the moments like, okay, like if we want this to work, we got to put that work in. You know, I, I, I never thought I would spend so much money on marketing marketing is mm-hmm. it's i mean i'm, I'm spending three thousand dollars easy easy a month on marketing and mm-hmm. i've tried so many different so many different uh marketing companies and i've had one i've had pretty good luck with but um you know the first seven or eight years i'm like oh, i'll do it by word of mouth right and i was never really I was able to get to a specific threshold in attendance but never plateau that threshold you know my my goal you know, in order for me to stop working, my real job is 200 students, which might not seem a lot to some of your viewers out there. But for me, that's what I can comfortably lean on and be like, okay, I don't have to work, you know, other jobs to support this. Because right now, the gym isn't something that I, I'm like, oh, I can retire on this income. It's not going to happen, especially when COVID hit and things got, you know, set back four or five steps and yeah. during that rebuilding process. So for me, the the height of my attendance was like 115 students. And that only happened when I got marketing and decided to do, you know, click funneling and working with uh, Facebook and Instagram ads and, you know, having, you know, I make my own website now because the people that did my website were, it was something less to be less than desired. Um, But I have full control of my website now, which is great. And I can add take things off and, you know, moments notice, which I couldn't do before and require an email and take time. And I need things done. Like the gym life moves so fast. So I need, yeah. things done immediately, you know, but thankfully good marketing company. Now um, I get, you know, an app with leads and I can contact as soon as they click for you know bookings and no issues with that. And I'm hoping we can get back up to that 110, 115 mark. This year wasn't a good year. You know, I can be completely transparent with, uh, with your viewers out there. Uh, the economy is not awesome right now, as everybody knows. We're all feeling that. Um, and so jujitsu is a luxury for a lot of people, not mm-hmm. necessity. So if they have to choose between, you know, filling the gas tank up for a month or, you know, doing jujitsu, like, you know, tuition, um, they're going to pick their gas tank, right? Unfortunately, that's the realities of life. So I'm going to continue to grind and continue to do my thing. Um, and I have some great people along the way. I've got people that have been with me since I've opened. I've got people that have been with me since we, 
I have a black belt with me now that we were training partners coming up, you know, with Roger and, and that team who followed mm-hmm. me when I opened the gym. He's got two for his first degree on his black belt next December. Um, but we've got some great loyalty, right? And it's it's like, how do you get the people that would jump to stay, right? And I don't believe yeah. it's about sucking them into contracts and, you know, long-term contracts. I think a year or six-month contract is, is, is uh, acceptable because if I'm going to commit my time to you as a professor and commit my knowledge and my skill and my time away from my family to you, I expect that same commitment back. But mm-hmm. I've had schools kind of lock me into two and three-year contracts, and I'm like, not going to do that. No, that's crazy. No, we don't we don't do contracts either, man, because, you know, life happens. You know, like you said, like, you know, you may come into the gym like, yeah, I, I can I, I believe I can do six months, you know, lock you in for six months. And then the next day is like, you know, boom, something pops up where you can't. Then it's like, you know, a whole nother, you know, whole nother debacle with that. So it's like, yeah, if you you know, we just do month to month right now, you know. Um, you know, thankfully, Lamar, we have good, when you do month to month too, it's a little more expensive, but we have good flexible contracts. So when mm-hmm. life does happen, like if kids want to play another sport, we allow them to suspend the contract for three months at a time. The three months gets prorated and added on. So they do a full year of payments, but they can just like, if the kid wants to play football, it's three months out of the year, right? Was it was mm-hmm. uh, September, October, November. So those three months, instead of getting pulled tuition, they get pulled a processing fee, which is like, less than 20% of their, their contract to stay on. Or if like it's an excuse and they just don't want to do it anymore, they can get out of that contract early by paying a cancellation fee, which the cancellation fee is almost the amount of the tuition. So it's kind of a moot mm-hmm. point. Get, your hands are washed. But I have right. employees, I have people that I have to pay in the back end, payroll and administrators and things of that nature that I don't do. I don't touch any of that. And I need to justify their their pay. So I need to get something in return if you're going to make her go through all the paperwork and write everything out and cancel and then file with the company that processes and all that stuff, it needs to be justified. Um, yeah. But we do have class cards too, right? So if you don't want to commit, you can buy 10 visits and they don't expire for a year. So you have basically 10 visits in 365 days, which I hope you get, right? I hope you're that committed. Yeah. So there's no contract <laughs> at that point. You just deduct and then you reload it and deduct and reload it. So I okay. get that. Yeah. If you're injured, that's another story. If you're injured, we, we cancel your contract, no questions asked. As long as the doctor's note, we don't rope you into anything. You're hurt, mm-hmm. you're hurt, man. Like that's life. Life happens. You gotta take care of a loved one somebody's sick. I get that, right? But if it's like, man, I'm bored, I want to go play Pokemon cards. Hey, you're gonna pay me for my time. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's it's crazy. Like when we um when I talk to some people that has been to like uh, you know schools and you don't hear that a lot. It'd be surprised the things that we find normal in jujitsu, people has never heard of. So I was like, you know, you know, like for example, I was reading this Reddit post and um they I guess the student there posted the contract that he signed with the school and they, you know, he had to pay for promotions, he had to pay for stripes, he had to pay for so much other stuff just to be able to train. And I'm like, that's that's more common than you know. It's it's scary how common that is, but it's like man, that's that's crazy. We don't do that. We we we've, we've never done it. I've considered doing it um, mm-hmm. because the economy is so bad right now, and I'm like every little bit helps. But I we haven't done it. We haven't implemented it. We never charge for promotions. We never charge for your belts. We never charge for tips. We um, I feel that 
the tuition should cover that, right? right. Although if you look at it again from a, a, a school perspective, like a collegiate perspective, you have to pay for your books, you have to pay for your material. I don't agree with that. So I don't charge for that stuff. Um, we charge late fees, obviously, if you're, you're, you check bounces, right? Because I'm getting charged on my end. I'm just giving you that charge back. But promotions and stuff like that, we we, we don't do. It's, I always felt it was nickel and dime. Um, and I don't, I think if, I think if I'm your first school and you leave and go to another school that does that, you're in for rude awakening because the majority of the schools around my area do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and I was just like, you know, I look at stuff like that and then I look at, you know, me training and I was like, dude, that would be so much money if I have to pay for, you know, per strike, per belt, per ranking. It's like, Man, that's more than tuition you paying a month. I mean, right. you know, you paying uh pay out yearly. So, I mean, I mean they, you can start they, charging for attendance, right? If they show up, just take it out of the bank account. They punch in. <laughs> <laughs> Service fee every time you walk on the mats. Yeah. yeah. So bad. <laughs> like I was just here, but you left though. You left. Yeah. You know, the, you left Sorry. out the door, man. So you gotta gotta pay again. Yeah. <laughs> gotta no, pay the toll I mean, again. When we, uh, when we, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but like the other schools within my organization charge for that stuff. And I get it, right? Because they're in, they're in high, uh, high rent areas or high, Mm -hmm. you know, it's expensive, right? Thankfully, like I bought my building. I own my building. I I don't need to, to recover that stuff. It's paid for. I don't owe anything on it. Um, And, but there's, there's a lot of burden for school owners that, that, you know, they have to pay rent or mortgage or, you know, whatever it is. For me, it's it's a condo, right? So I own, I pay condo fees every month. I pay the taxes, right? But, and I pay utilities, but that's it, insurance. So if you cover that, then it's the ancillary stuff like, you know, Comcast cable and, you know, you know, um, processing fees, you know, your, your application fees, um, equipment that breaks, things of that nature. It's all these little things that, tend to add up because you have your set budget then you have oh you know little johnny broke the bag you know you gotta go buy a new one he was hanging off of it it bent right so you know the mm-hmm. whole bag so that's those things that you know or the, the toilet backed up right so you gotta get a rotor rooter guy in there for a thousand bucks it's like those are the things that that bite you in the butt if you don't budget properly for it so right i can understand where people will look for extra extra funds i'm in a position where i don't i don't need that and i love what i do that's really why i'm there it's not to, to get rich because you're not going to get rich on the gym unless you start doing that nickel and dime stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm the same way, man. I, I love this sport. I've, you know, it's like as soon as I got started into it and I, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid and got, got hooked. <laughs> so yeah, I do it for the love. I'm not like, you know, it would be yeah, obviously everyone wants to be run a successful school and be able to like, yeah, like you said, live off of what you do and doing jujitsu, but I, you know, realistically, it don't always happen that way unless you get, as you say, like 200 people on your mats every, you know, every day. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine with the few people that we have. You know, we get, you know, we get six people on the mats is a good day. Yeah, we get two people wow. on the mats is a good day. As long as someone's showing up on these mats, I'm I'm happy. You know. That's awesome. So Yeah, I remember we started with 10. Mm-hmm. And there, there were times where I'm like, man, I, I hope I can afford my bills this month like there were there were days where i'm like man you know i gotta 
find an extra job or I got to do a side, some side work to pay my bills this month. So I'm, I'm really thankful that, uh, that I made it. And I always heard if you can make it past the five year mark, you're good. You know, so every mm -hmm. year up until year five, it was like, oh man, if I can just do it for one more year, for one more year, just something in my head was like, keep going, keep pushing and people will come. And, you know, when you're, when you're around long enough, like uh, Denzel Washington said, it was the best because you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later, you're going to, Get a haircut right so right <laughs> uh or learn to cut hair i think it's learn to cut hair um you know it's true right if you if you, you hang around in business long enough you're gonna you're gonna figure it out you're gonna figure out how to run it right and you're gonna pick up things along the way i've trained at so many other schools i mean top level schools and and i'm there for the training right but i'm not just there for the training i'm there to learn the teaching mentality i'm learn there to learn their back-end systems i'm the, it's I mean, I've been everywhere. I trained with BJ Penn in Hawaii. I've trained with um, Henry Hooft with the Black Zillions back in their heyday down in Boca. That's mm -hmm. like, you know, that's like, that's Kamaru Usman and Theron Sponge and, you know, Santiago and uh, who else was there? Alistair Overeem, Rashad Evans. Sick group of guys, right? But mm -hmm. and I can't hang with those guys. Eddie Alvarez, Michael Johnson. I sent my, my pros down there to hang with them. Meanwhile, I'm in the back. Well, I'm training, but I'm watching the instructors, how they control a room of 50-plus professional fighters. I'm yeah. looking at their back-end systems when they walk in. I'm looking at the layout of the gym. I'm looking at the flow, right? Because the gym flow is very important. They, they're smart. They had a regular gym in the front, and they would have the mom and pops and grandmas and everybody else, you know, lifting weights and running the ellipticals or whatever. And then they would put all the, the you know, the – the Neanderthals in the back, right? There'd be a cage and a boxing ring and the, the mats all in the back. You almost couldn't see it when you came in. So the mom and pops would keep the business afloat. And I don't think the pro fighters pay it. I think they got, you know, it's like typical, you know, manager gym fee, like if you fight. And these mm -hmm. are all guys, UFC or Bellator, then the gym and the, the coaches get a cut of that, right? So they don't pay month to month. They pay, after, you know, per fight. So it's mm -hmm. a cool model, and it's something I would love to love to emulate. But um, it was, it's for me when I train with the, at these locations, it's an education for me. And that's how I look at. It. I don't look at it as oh, I'm going to be a better fighter. At the time, I was a fighter, but for me, mm -hmm. I was more business focused because when you start, no offense, when you start MMA or jujitsu at 27, you're not going to the UFC. Let's be real. Right. Yeah. This. Yeah. I've had, yeah. I've had cage fights, you know, and from 27 to 40, I retired at 42. I'm 45 now, and they're all amateur fights, right? It's like I'm not gonna. Why go pro if I'm gonna, you know, do nothing with it, right? So mm -hmm. in, in New Hampshire, you know, pro and amateur only difference is knees to the face and elbows to the face, and time, time two extra minutes on the clock. So for right. us, you know, it, it's as close as you're gonna get to to doing it at a pro level. And I've had people ask me to go pro, like guys my age that are like, come on, let's do a pro fight. And, you know, I'm so broken right now. Like I need a knee replacement, my left knee. Um, I'm actually going to get stem cells in New York in a couple of months to see if that regrows the cartilage. And if it does, I might come back to it. But for right now, man, I've been so uh, hindered on my growth as far as from a physical perspective that, you know, I can only focus on getting better mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I've, I've had that conversation with a couple people because I, you know, I've obviously been doing jujitsu. I love, I do love MMA. 
Um, I was taking like, you know, lessons with uh, one of the striking coach uh, coaches that I know. And people's like, so you, uh, when you get in the cage, I'm like, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, like it's not like you said, I'm, you know, I'm 36, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to, you know, Joe, you know, Joe's not going to come. I'm not Joe, but Dana's not going to come knocking on my door, you know, at my age, like, Hey, you want to, you know, you want a contract? No, that's just, like you said, let's just be realistic. And being an admin, you don't make, you don't make money. So not if you do it right. Right. <laughs> right. So like what, like I, it's a bigger risk for me to do so. You know, you know, I have a family, you know, it's yep. just a school to run, you know, I have to take care of them as well. So as fun as it may sound on paper, yeah, but you've got you gotta be, you know, you gotta look at the reality's eyes, like I that's stupid. That's so stupid for me to do that right now at all, really. So it's like, yeah, no, I don't I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna do that. Like, oh man, you should, man, you'll do fine. Yeah, maybe. But you know, just one lucky kick in, <laughs> you know, I'm out of here, you know. The first 10 years of uh, my MMA career, I fought with zero health insurance. You want to talk about crazy? Mm. I had no health insurance, man. I was, I was a bricklayer. You know, I was laying, you know, working for my dad's uh, construction company, you know, and there's no health insurance. I didn't have health insurance. So that you want to talk about crazy, you know, one broken bone or, you know, thankfully I've, I've never broken a bone in any of my fights. The worst injuries I've ever had were training for my fights. I broke my neck with one of my blue belts to spike me on my head um mm. and i didn't realize my neck was broke till i couldn't turn it like the next day it was completely stiff and went to the doctor doctor's like oh you just got a stiff neck take some painkillers and i went to my chiropractor who uh he works for um he works for the devil rays the patriots and the bruins he was like i want to take some extra x-rays and he found like two cracked vertebrae in my neck and i had i was scheduled to fight um a month later and so can you imagine if I went in with a broken neck and I got spiked again, right? Oh, man, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. So or we would, but I have a scar in my mouth trying to you know, turn my, my wheelchair, right? And it's like, so he found it. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I was able to, to heal from that. Um, thankfully, you know, not a lot of concussions. Um, I, I did get knocked out in one of my fights, albeit it was illegal. Um, I won the fight. Not, not how you want to win a fight, but. I was playing the game, right? In a real street fight, you don't turn your back on an opponent and, and hold your ears, you put your face to the mat. So the only thing you could strike is behind your head, mm-hmm. right? In a real fight, you're like, you're, I'm pulling my sidearm in a real fight. I'm not even doing jujitsu. Um, but, <laughs> but, but you know, I was playing the game. The kid I fought, he was an absolute monster. I knew he had a good head kick. He was, I fought at, at 170, right? And so I'm like five foot eight. So all the guys that were fighting at 170 were like six foot plus, absolute beast. And this kid was like six two, and I knew the head kick was coming. You can see it's online, it's on YouTube. And he threw the head kick, and I put my hand up to cover. And even when I, even though I covered the kick, he hit me with so much force to knock me on my my ass. And so I'm like, okay, this is where I want to be anyways. And you know, I'm doing my whole, you know, guard thing. And um, he's throwing punches from the top, and I was trying to lace for heel hook. And when I did, I was like, eh, this ain't working. So I rolled over and turtled up and covered here. And he just went like five times to the back of the head, knocked me out. Uh, I woke up to you won. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, and, you know, he was obviously salty about it. But I'm like, hey, man, if you had more control, you probably would have won that fight. But, you know, the rules are in place for a reason to keep people safe. 
and it and it's a sport, right? So people mm-hmm. who don't understand MMA, don't understand cage fighting. It's a sport, you know. And at the end of the day, when both fighters are are out of the cage, it's not ninety percent of the time there's respect, right? You see a hug, or yeah. a handshake, or, or whatever. You know, we're just in there trying to do our thing and trying to show out. For me, it wasn't like you said, too old to you know go to the UFC. But for me, it was like I need to be in that situation where it's fight or flight, and I need to see what I'm made of. Like I need to test myself and make sure that if I have to keep my family safe, I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable in chaos. I want to be in chaos. I want to get punched. I want to know what that feels like. Because if, if my first time getting punched is a life life or death situation, probably not going to win that. I'm probably not going to yeah. be on the better side of that outcome. You know, so for yeah. me, it was a test. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to prove I'm the toughest guy in the division or the world. Like it's, I'm, it was always about myself. It was never about my opponent or who I faced. As a matter of fact, most of my opponents I'm friends with. So I could get along with them. Some of them have yeah. come and trained at my school and I've coached them. Right. So yeah, it's, it's it, everybody gets in for different reasons, but for me, it was it was all for me. It had nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. And uh we we kind of implement that in our, you know, the way we test for our next rank, but also we kind of do that in class where we deal with striking, you know, because yeah, like you said, if that's something you're not used to. The first thing you want to do is you want to curl up and, you know, try to, you know, hide away from it. But like you said, if you're in a street fight, you know, you curling up like this is not going to stop this person from trying to stump your head in. Right. So, yeah, we, we get throwing on boxing gloves and, you know, they, you know, the, the person who got on gloves, they can strike, they can throw punches, they can throw kicks. And the other person, all they had is their jujitsu, you know, work to get a better, you know, get them to the ground, submit them or get them to the ground to run away, whatever you got to do to, you know, you know, to be able to fight another day, that's what you do. But yeah, because you, you know, you you read the stories online, like you know, a guy getting knocked out of the bar, you find out he's a you know he's a black belt in jujitsu, and people are like, oh, he why did he use his jujitsu? Like, because he's not used to getting punched in the face. Yeah, the bar, <laughs> and, and if you've ever been to any bars in the Boston area, you know everything's very close quarters. It's not like uh-huh. you can full guard and. You wouldn't pull guard anyways, but it's like it's not like you're going to be able to use jujitsu and and to, to its fullest extent, right? And when you're on a mat, mm-hmm. you have space, you're moving around, right? If you're jammed up against a bar table, like you know, or or high bar, you know, and some guys like in your face, not a lot of jujitsu you can do from there, right? So I mean, right? What are you going to do? Arm drag to head an arm triangle? Or, you know, what are you, you going to do? Go for kimura? Like some moves in jujitsu shouldn't be done in the street. I don't, I don't right? Think, you know. Or if they should be like, I mean, we, we train, um, I've trained, you know, plenty of, of law enforcement officers and, you know, I was talking to um, one of my friends who, who not at the time, but at the time he was the, the, uh, the, the SWAT captain, right? So lived across the street, he came by the, the school and he's like, you know, hey, Dave, you know, you know, I need you, to, I need, I need to bring in some of my, um, my officers here, um, because they're smaller in stature and they're getting sent out in the worst times of the night and they're getting overpowered by bigger, bigger, bigger attackers, bigger perpetrators. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, okay, bring them in. And he said, he said, you know what? And he goes, what would you do if I pulled a knife and did this? Right. And I said, well, let me flip it. What, what were they teaching you to do? So I had the knife, I had the trainer knife. And he said, oh, well, we're going to wrap your arm, you know, you know, grab the arm and wrap. And I said, okay, so will you grab me? I'm stabbing you in the back of your, back of your, your kidney, right, your liver, right? I'm stabbing your liver. Um, he goes, all right, well, how would you do it? And I, I showed him, you know, the, the wide block, 
on the wrist, right? You don't grab with your hand because you have this much space to screw up. If you miss this, right. you, can't. you block with this and then trap, then you have, it'd be more forgiving. I said, personally, me, I would become a track star and run. Right, I'm not trying to play knife games. Right, <laughs> no. right. I'm not John Wick. <laughs> you block, and I put him in a, a simple kimura grip. Right, trap the hand, attack the hand, wrap it, and I put him on his ass, like face down, so fast. And he, he was like, "We don't, we don't learn that at the academy, not that way." Right. So, for in a street fight, at least in my school, we learn how to deal with. Uh, uh, identifying a firearm, how to, how to isolate that area, right? But then also how to be aware of the secondary attacking hand, right? So mm -hmm. we, certain moves we don't do in street fights. I don't recommend a head and arm triangle, right? Because if you you get head and arm triangles here and your, your free hand, you know, you, you can't see the free hand, right? If you think about a head and arm triangle, you push the head, head hand across, you have your setup, they have a free hand on the other side. They can be reaching for a knife. They can be reaching for a gun. They could be calling the friends. I mean, I don't know, whatever. But you can't. There's certain moves you should not be doing in a street fight. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because it weakens you. your mind side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's so like you know certain things like you said you can and cannot. Well, you should and should not do in a street uh, in a street fight learn with jujitsu. But at the same time, the best thing that you can do. Is just avoid it, just not not engage at all. Run, like, yeah. It's <laughs> it's. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, it'll be cool if you get that highlight reel of like you you know you subdue the guy and you know to the cops came, but that's only few and far between because like you said, people got guns now, and there's, it's a small chance that that dude is by himself. And you know I don't want to run that risk, especially if I'm out with my family. So that's yeah. We just we just avoid that as as much as possible. It's not worth the lawsuits, right? Because the first thing that the, the guy, the poor attacker with his broken arm goes into the court and says, he, you know, he's a professional instructor. And, you know, he's a cage right. fighter. <laughs> he's got a so I don't, it's not worth it. It's not worth the legal battle. Like, you know, people, I play in basketball leagues, right? I'm a huge basketball nut. You know, they guys start, try to start fight on, you know, don't know me, try to start fights with me. And I'm just like, I think about like all I've worked for down the drain for some guy that probably, you know, you know, took an Uber here to play basketball. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to deal with it. Then he's living in my house. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to deal with that. Right, right. right. So I, if it comes down to life or death situation, at least in New Hampshire, it's got to be, you have to, you have to meet the force with equal or lesser force. Meaning if you bring a knife and I shoot you in the head, I'm going to be screwed for that. Right. Right. If you bring a knife and I bring a knife, I know it makes no sense. And I bring a knife and I stab you. Well, it's equal force, right? It's equal or lesser force. Or if you have a baseball bat and I'm, I'm, you know, if I have nothing in my hands and I, you know, beat the crap out of you, I'm probably going to get away with that, right? It's, it's self-defense. So I know it makes no sense. The rules nowadays are not set up for the good guys or set up for the bad guys. And it's getting harder and harder uh, to defend yourself properly. I mean, look at that guy in New York that held the, uh, on the subway that held that rear naked choke for too long because he didn't understand the concept or maybe he just got flashbacks or whatever like he's screwed like he's dealing with with possible jail time for it right so yeah training's important but restraint and understanding how to be like i said it goes back to what i'm saying being comfortable in the chaos you have to be mm -hmm. comfortable in those situations and understand when enough is enough
Yeah, got to, man. Got to. That's the only way. I mean, that's the only way. That's the, you know, one of those important jujitsu lessons that's not necessarily taught on the mats, but definitely should be implemented. Like, you know, yo, we teach you, we teach you guys self-defense, but at the same time, know when to like you said, be comfortable in that chaos, control your emotions and not let, you know, someone being stupid, you know, ch- change your life forever. You know, from, you know, you going out from a good time to, you know, you talk to your kids behind, you know, through a screen. No one wants to do that. Nope. Everyone wants to know that we're going to, you know, if you're going to go out, keep yourself safe and everything, but just make sure you make it home. Yep. And that's, maybe that's I'm just it. old, <clears throat> probably because I'm old. Um, I, I just try to avoid places where there could be trouble right so like of I don't, course i don't of go course. out at night past 10 o'clock if i can avoid it and i mean there's times you got to go out your, your family parties whatever but you know i don't go wandering around at night i try to avoid you know convenience stores late at night you know places that are more more likely going to get robbed or there's going to be a problem right but you just don't know right I mean, yeah just don't know store was robbed on a sunday morning at like nine o'clock in the morning you know what i mean like right in one of the highly most highly armed you know, free states in the United States. I'm like, man, you got crazy colonies to do that. You know, half the people getting gas probably had a sidearm on them. You know what I mean? So, so you just don't know and you got to be prepared for everything. That's really what. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I hear you, man. All right, Dave. So we have a staple here at Talk Your Gist podcast. We ask everybody who come on the show, uh, your top three people, man, past or present, who would you love to get a chance to roll with? I mean, you threw oh. out some big names earlier, but, you know, who would you like to get a chance to roll with? Man, um, I I would save this one for last. I would like to roll with Jocko because I know he would break me and I wouldn't be able to roll with the other people. Uh, definitely love to roll with Jocko. Um, Damian Maya. Yes. One of the yes. best MMA jiu-jitsu guys I've ever seen. Um, Elio Gracie. The founder, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the pioneer. That's a solid. That's a solid list, man. Especially Jocko and Damian Maya. I would love to roll with Damian Maya. Yeah, he's been on my list for a while to roll with him and uh, him, Brandon Otega, uh, Andre Galval, You know the you know Mike Musimechi. Just a, just a few people that that comes to mind when I think about jujitsu. But I mean, obviously, you got to roll with the founders. You won't last long, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe when Elio was old, I would. You know what I mean. <laughs> I still, I'll still be nervous. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like he's ninety-five, you can take him. <laughs> we'll you know, see, I didn't we'll get see. to roll with. Uh, I didn't get to roll with BJ. I rolled with his brother JD. Uh, no, uh, Regan. Okay. Um, okay. Younger brother. BJ is like, hey, I'm gonna watch you roll with my brother, and I'll critique you. So. As much as I got to train with BJ, I didn't get to roll with him. His brother was phenomenal. He just got back from surfing. We had a private. He was late. He's like, oh, man, the waves were big. You know, it was really cool. But, yeah, I, I, I would have loved to roll with him, BJ, too. BJ would have been a, a good, a fun roll. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. Well, uh, man, yeah, that's it, man. Unless you got any more questions for me, um, you know, fire away. If not, man, you know, if you got anything coming up, man, you want to let the people know, shout out to your school and everything else, man. The floor is all yours. Yeah, I got one question for you and then I'll I'll, I'll wrap up. So because you're a new, newly uh, minted black belt and I want to see if it's the same logic as mine, 
do you ever look back on your your belts and go man man that was such a grind at that belt level like i have my own but do you ever look back at your journey and go you know you reminisce about like your hardest belt and be like man i remember all the blood sweat and tears i put in to get to that belt and you do that and what belt was it purple me too <laughs> purple belt uh purple belt was five bar like by far the worst belt as you know grind wise because uh just got back from COVID. um you know was having marital issues you know life was just kicking me in the throat man purple belt was just bad <laughs> but yeah that had to be yeah that had to be the toughest one my purple belt Purple was toughest for me uh, because it was the belt I was I was stuck at the longest. Um, I did win worlds at purple belt, mm -hmm. and so for me it was the most it was the most my most medaled belt, um, but it was also my most battle tested. As far as the majority of my MMA fights were purple belt, um, I was constantly getting beat down by some of the savages at, uh, at Brazilian Top Team Boston to get me ready for competition. So for me, when I look, and it's the most worn belt, like you look at it, it's all faded and tattered. And I'm just like, man, I look at that belt and I just go, man, that was a grind. Yeah. So thank you for that answer. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, no yeah. Uh, upcoming stuff. Uh, close real quick. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, Lamar. It's awesome. I haven't been on a podcast in a little bit. Um, if anybody's interested in the Plastow area uh, or surrounding Southern New Hampshire area and learning a little bit more about our school, our website is Spiro, S-P-E-R-O-M-M-A. Dot com or bttplasto.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there. Um, and anybody that isn't that doesn't involve themselves with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or is at another school and wants to get some roles in, uh, feel free to come down and cross-train with us. We're always open to cross-train with other schools. We have no issues there. I don't get involved in the politics. But uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on, Lamar. No problem, man. I wish you the best, man, and everything that's that's coming your way, dude. Great, great talking to you. Appreciate you, man. Good luck with the podcast and everything on your journey. Thank you. All right, man. That's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Dave one more time for coming on and blessing us with his jujitsu knowledge. Hope you guys enjoyed. Please go and follow our Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube page to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day.